showtime, folks! Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Welcome in to the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios Overtime. Coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller and nobody else but you. Be doing this solo this week. Tennessee will take on Louisiana Thursday night at 940. And given what we know from, I mean, it's not just recent. It is on back. This goes back to when I was in elementary school. This game's most likely going to start off at about mm, 10 o'clock, give or say, which means the game will probably not end until around midnight on Thursday. Tennessee coming off a loss in the SEC tournament on Friday to Missouri, and I was expecting Tennessee to at least get to Saturday. I fully expected Tennessee to at least get to Saturday, and we didn't. You know, Missouri comes out, they play basically the way Josh Heupel plays. It's like we're going to put all of our effort in offense. We're still going to play a little bit of defense, but our main focus is going to be on offense. Our focus is going to be on putting points on the board. And that's what Missouri did. That is what Missouri did, and we could not stop it. We weren't going to stop it. Let's go right to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Philly is going to help carry me through this first segment. What do you say, Philly? What do you say, Jack? Philly. What's going on? Well, Phil... Worked all day. My back hurts. I just had some chicken that's probably been sitting in the lobby for about 12 hours, give or take, at this point. Everything, oh. Everything's all good. Got a cup of coffee in me. We're all good to go. Kind of like Rick Barnes basketball, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Cup of coffee and just hit the court. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we, Missouri, right now Missouri's a better team, Tennessee, as much I hate to admit it, even though we probably got more alleged talent on our roster. Uh they're superior to us, the point guard, because uh, Zeely's out, and they got that Hodge guy. And, uh, of course, Kobe Bryant was a matchup problem. We couldn't defend him the whole game. Yeah, I mean, he was a problem. Uh, Nick Honors, another one that is a really good contributor for them. You know, that's the yeah, one thing was. about Missouri is, you know, they might not have the most quote-unquote talent, but they gel together as a team, and I feel like that's Tennessee's problem. You know, the talent is there. That's not an issue. It's the fact that they're not working well together as a team and then I don't think Rick Barnes is putting the right pieces where they need to be, and he's just having pieces that we could utilize and utilize a lot. And they're over there on the bench. I mean, we've been talking about this all year, Phil. You know, B.J. Edwards. There's no reason why a top 100 player in the country, a guy that could be your point guard right now, is running the scout team. I mean, now he's getting some minutes, but it's like, okay, well, he's not ready. This just proves that he's not ready. Okay, well, why didn't you play him all year? Why didn't you put him in when we were up 30? Yeah. It seems like Alcorn State and guys like that. He's not ready, but he abuses the uh, varsity team uh, when he's on the scout squad. Don't make any sense. If you can abuse uh, the varsity team, why, why aren't you getting some playing time on the varsity? Yeah, imagine how much he can abuse the opponent. And that's the first place that my mind goes is, like, what can he do to the opponent? If he's doing this to our guys, imagine what he's going to do against an Alabama, a Kentucky, a Florida, Georgia, whoever we're playing, Arkansas. list goes on and on. Imagine what he could do against them. 
Well, if we just had a little bit of guard play, sir. I mean, Friday we would have won the game. We didn't. We. I mean, it's the same old uh, verse or song and dance. Uh, in the last few minutes, we just were spent and couldn't hit a shot at the end of the game. No, it's um, it's becoming more and more frustrating to watch. And you know, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, Phil, you start thinking about well, Charleston's got this guy that's averaging eighteen points a game. Or not Charleston, uh, excuse me, Louisiana. They, um, you know, they've got a guy who was a former five-star recruit that played at Arizona. But everyone's saying that it's like, well, we've also got a former five-star on our bench as well. He's been here for four years, five years, however long he's been here in Josiah Jordan James. So, you know, Phil, I think you might agree with this as well. You know, with these camps that get thrown out, it's not just basketball; it's football as well. But a lot of guys get overlooked because they don't go to these camps. And if you can go to the camp, guess what? You're going to get exposure, and that's how you're that's how you're going to pop up your ranking as much as you can. Yeah, and now with the uh, transfer portal out there, look how Missouri rebuilt their team. They kept Kobe Brown, and the rest of the roster was turned over from out of the transfers. That's pretty incredible to think about. And you know, like I said, Phil, they're just they're not that. I wouldn't say they're not talented, but they don't have as much talent as what Tennessee does. And another school that's a victim of this as well, uh, you can really say two of them, North Carolina and Duke. You know, both teams, I mean, they're no shortage of talent there. They're just yeah. not working well together as a team. Yeah, and this one and done has kind of hurt the, both uh, North Carolina and Duke. It's even hurt Kentucky as much as I despise them. It has, and, you know, Cal got himself in a position to where that's all he knew how to do and he had no choice but to just run with it because he couldn't go back to the traditional way of recruiting. It's like, okay, let's get one guy that might be a one-and-done every year. But, no, he had to go and get basically a new roster. I remember his first. Until they went to the NIT, those guys came back. But every year before that, it was, okay, we got to go get five one-and-dones. Next year, okay, we got to go get five more one-and-dones. Yeah, and Rick Barnes' problem is is uh, he can coach three stars, but he can four and five stars. It's a uh... – uh, on this team this year, who on this team has improved at all during the season? The only one I can think of is Meshack. I'd say him, maybe Toby Awaka. Oh, well, I think Awaka kind of hit a wall there at the end. I mean, he he, he, he can't even hit a foul shot now. He must be watching Euros in practice. I mean, that's uh, probably who he's going up against in practice, so he's uh, taking after his mentor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, our our draw, the first game is not going to be an easy game. I don't care what anybody says. It's not. I mean, we're a ten-and-a-half-point favorite going into the game. But, you know, that's a line that I don't like. I don't like that 4-13 because I see upsets there from time to time. Uh, the 5-12 and the 6-11, uh, those you're more likely to get upset. But I was talking with uh, Tom Brady fan, Davis, and Matthew, and Bryson over the weekend, and I almost – wanted to get like a seven or an eight seed that way it didn't look so bad if we did get beat in the first round yeah well duke's waiting on us if uh, of course duke's the uh Oral roberts is not a that's not no gimme game for duke no it's not they're they're not a bad squad at all and then if we beat them we might we got memphis or purdue waiting on us if we could uh get to the elite eight right yeah, and I feel like Purdue is probably the most volatile, or not the most volatile, but the most uh, vulnerable out of all the number one seeds. I feel like they've got the toughest road to the Final Four out of any of the number one seeds. Well, they looked pretty shaky yesterday. They tried to give it game away yesterday. They did. I mean, Memphis looked good. 
against Houston. They looked really good. Well, they're athletic. They got ball players, and uh, they got two. Play, they play two point guards, which is what Tennessee. Uh, that's why they're going to go out and transfer portal and get them a point guard. Azizi, you probably be the earliest he's going to be back is going to be SC play next year. Yeah, I mean he's not going to be back, uh, especially for any of the crummy games that we got at the beginning of the year. And something else, to think about Phil, that was uh, brought up to me by Davis over the weekend. Actually, did you know that since Grant and Admiral left, Rick Barnes and Penny Hardaway had the same amount of NCAA tournament wins? Really? Yeah, one. One? Huh? Well, I mean, Rick Barnes gets you the tournament, but can't do nothing when he gets in there. It's uh, very perplexing. Uh, would you rather be like that, or would you rather just be sitting at the house and? Like we've been doing a lot of years of NIT, if we're lucky. I mean, yeah, I mean that's kind of where we're at, Phil. You know, and you know, I trust Danny White with a basketball hire. I really do. Yeah, that's right. He had Nate Oates up there at uh, Buffalo, didn't he? That he did. And his family is uh, is really basketball oriented. Yeah, I mean, you got Mikey White down there at Georgia, who was at Florida, and I mean. I don't know if he made the hire or not, but when he was at UCF, of course, they've got, you know, they had Taco Fall. They had the guy that went and got him. Might not have been the best player on the floor, but he knew how to bring attention to the program. And when we start talking about guys like Bruce Pearl, you know, Bruce Pearl, that's my favorite coach in Tennessee history. Yeah. He knew how to bring excitement to the program. He played a fun style of basketball. He got us to the Elite Eight. That's the furthest we've ever been. You know, and I heard something this weekend. Someone tried to say it. I can't remember who it was, but they said that Tennessee never even sniffed the top twenty-five before Rick Barnes got here. And that, I mean, that's complete and utterly false. Oh, I don't. It's just uh, Bruce Pearl is the only one who turned Tennessee basketball. But really, I mean, Rick Barnes has benefited Bruce Pearl before him because winning uh, was pretty much he got the arena fixed to, to a big-time uh, uh, venue now. And uh, that was Bruce Pearl's doing, and, that, and Rick Barnes was benefiting it. And not only that, Tennessee threw money at Bruce, at, uh, Bruce Pearl. Now look at it. Tennessee is an attractive job. All Tennessee needs is a coach who can get us to the next level. It's kind of like Mark Rick. You know, I think Westchester hit on it really well, you know. And um, yeah. Jason Spears, I know he said this quite a bit. Roberto, he said this quite a bit. It's the Mark Rick to basketball. That's exactly what we've got. A guy that's going to continuously get you, you know, very good regular seasons. But when it comes to getting over the hump, he's not going to be able to do it, and you got to go find that guy. you got to go find your Kirby Smart, essentially. Well, Rick Barnes is, is yet to get a great player. Uh, he, he gets five stars, but they're not they're – not, Kenny Chandler's the best player he's, he's signed since he's been here. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, nobody can handle the ball like him. Um, you know, it's just still funny that BJ absolutely cooked him when they played against each other. Yeah, it is. And uh, all honestly, though, I would trade uh, Kenny Chandler for have a Grant Williams and an Admiral Schofield because we don't have nothing like that either. No, it, that's right exactly – that's a very good point. I mean, you almost need a two-for-one trade right there. It's like, well, the guys hit big time shots. Uh, I mean, they're, they're alphas too. And Rick Barnes, uh, for some reason, he likes to recruit uh, guys who can mentally dominate. It's just what it seems like to me.
What do you think? I agree with you 100% there, Phil. You know, something else that I thought about, you know, over the weekend, I would rather, and I think it was uh, the caller Jordan that. Uh, yeah, he's a good caller. He is. He's. Uh, He's a wealth of basketball knowledge. You know, there's a guy on Twitter, his name's Callum. He's the guy you go to for baseball. Um, Jordan is the guy that I go to for basketball. I mean, he's got it broken down. I mean, he was sending me stuff last night. It had the shot charts of Louisiana. Jordan thinks that we're not going to win on Thursday. I can't say I don't disagree with him, but there's, there is analytics out there. that's acting like Tennessee's going to be the Sweet 16. I don't, I don't know how in the hell the – that going to be possible, though. Do you? I, I really don't. There's no clear-cut path for us. I think that we can make the Sweet 16, I think you'd agree with that. You know, this team, it wouldn't surprise me if we got put out on Thursday. It wouldn't surprise me if this team finally made a Final Four. Like, that's how wide open this is. But I also know how inconsistent we are. And that's yeah. what scares me from, you know, making any kind of rash judgments about, oh, we're going to go this far, we're going to go this far. Uh, Phil, I'm not going to lie. In my bracket, I've got Tennessee getting beat in the first round. Well, it's all going to come down to Triple J, and you know what that means. That means uh, one good game, and then the next game they bat. I mean, he's up and down and looks great one game, looks terrible the next. I, this way he's, well, he's been that way. So, well, last year he played a pretty had a decent year, but this year I, he's been hurt, and I don't know. It just uh, hasn't come together, has it? No, and I mean, I think – what it's going to take for Tennessee to win, and you know you have a shot, if Triple J scores more than 11 points. If he scores he's more got, than 11, you got a shot. Figures. Yeah, he's got to be double figures from your up. Yeah, I mean, if he's not in double figures, we're not going to win the ballgame. And Conwell's got to at least get 10 points. And, I mean, you got to have somebody score some points inside. And, you know, it seems like when the dude plays good, they win too, but, but he's – up and down, and I don't – I mean, outside of Muscovy, he's the only one on the team that's consistent. He's the only one. He's the only one. I wish – I don't think we can get him back for another year. I wish we could. Um, Just because I love having that guy around. I mean, he's probably my favorite player to watch on this team. And, you know, Zakai Ziegler, when he's on, he's really fun to watch. But, Phil, I'm telling you, if we mess around and we don't utilize J.P. Estrella the way that we should – I, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I don't know what other way to put it. I mean, I've watched that kid on film. I think that he might be the next big thing. He is that stretch four. Really, he's a center, but, I mean, he can you know, get out. He can shoot the three. He can drive to the basket, and he can get inside and dominate the paint. I mean, well, that's exactly what we're missing. Through him, and it opens up everything else for these other players. Exactly, because everyone's going to collapse the paint, and then guess what? Everybody collapses the paint. You try to double-team him. Somebody's going to be open for a three. You just got to knock it down. Yeah, and he's got good uh, skills. He can, he's a, a good passer also. Uh, and this uh, this car kid's in a top 40 recruit now. Have you seen that? I did not see that. I'm glad you Cameron pointed that Carr. out. Wow. That's Martin's guy. Uh, Martin like that one. Oh, yeah. Martin loves him some Cameron Carr. Does anybody know what DeLone's doing in practice over there? I mean, everybody knows we're hearing BJ's lighting it up, and I've heard that DJ Jefferson looks great. I'd like to know what DeLong's doing over there. You know, I've not heard anything. I'll try to get some information on that for you, and I'll uh, I'll get that out as soon as I can. Well, can't wait to hear it. I'll bring it off here. I'll, uh, I'll be listening. All right, appreciate the phone call, Philly. See you.
Philly making his presence felt on the Big Orange Phillies phone line. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. So you're watching the game, and you see another ad for FanDuel Sportsbook. And you- Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio. Back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. Matt is next. What do you say, Matt? Well, hi. I love calling Philly, man. <laughs> Everybody knows, man. He's my he's he's my he's my hero. Philly's oh. my guy, man. Phil's the Three goat, years. man. He is. He's definitely the goat. Oh uh, man. So I was just talking to you. I said I got a little something I want to throw at you. I want to get your take on this. Okay. Um, so, you know, this morning I was talking with the crew and I told him, you know, this I think the ceilings I think we all kind of agree. The ceiling's probably the sweet sixteen, right? Yes. And I think it was Nate. I don't remember who it was. It was Nate or Houston. One of the two was saying that if we if we get there, then you know it's probably a pretty good coaching job from uh, from our current basketball coach. And I hung up agreeing. I was thinking, yeah, you know what that is. That's a hell of a, that's a you know that's exceeding expectations. And as the gate the day's gone on, that's ate at me that I admitted that. Well, here's the thing about Rick, you know. He's going to get you 20 wins a year. He's going to get you to the NCAA tournament. He's most likely going to have you ranked in the top 25 all year. The problem that I have is that we're not utilizing the talent that we have to the best of our ability. You've got a five-star in Julian Phillips. You've got a five-star, well, turned into a four-star, Josiah Jordan-James. There's talent over there. It's not being utilized the way it should. Now, Billy Stats and I had a conversation, and I agreed with him that Rick Barnes gets more out of your three stars, your low threes, high twos, low fours. He's going to get more out of those guys than what he will. A Julian Phillips, a Josiah Jordan-James, a Kennedy Chandler, uh, obviously B.J. Edwards now. So, I mean, that's what really bothers me is if you had somebody that could take advantage of the talent that we've got, you're looking at an Elite Eight team, probably a Final Four with this team we got this year. Well, and the fact that you got an injury – you know that your starting point guard goes out, Ziegler gets hurt, and then everybody's just like now all of a sudden is like if we can make it to the Sweet 16, that's a great coaching job. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? No, it's not. A great coaching job would have been having Edwards ready to play already. Agree. Not missing a step. You know, making making not this this Sweet 16 wouldn't be the ceiling. The Elite Eight, the Final Four, that would still be our ceiling, like it was. You know, back in November when we were clicking on all cylinders, you know, December we're rolling. Back when everybody thought this was the best Tennessee team ever. Yeah, dude, we were talk. We were. I, I can't. I, I can't believe I was literally having a conversation that that was the case. <laughs> you could maybe say this is the best defensive team all time for Tennessee. I, I could argue that maybe, but this is not the best. This is not the best Tennessee team ever. That's not even the best not Tennessee either. team that Rick Barnes has had. I mean, let alone my lifetime. No, no. Yeah, it's not. It's not. That uh, peanut butter jelly team would probably crush these guys by 25, 30 points. Remember when people were trying to say that that team or that this team would be favored against that team by two and a half points? I, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and I was called yeah, an idiot. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's. A, <laughs> I think I might have been one of the ones that was saying that. <laughs> I, one thing, man, I will eat crow. I will. I just 
I just don't. I don't think it's a good coaching job to get, get to the Sweet Sixteen. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that one back too because it's not, man. This guy has had ample time to get Ed, Edwards ready. He's had, he's had ample time to get another quarterback in here. Uh, in and in my opinion, this is what I would do. I know Philly and all these guys want this guy out of here. Maybe that's the call. Maybe it is. I, I could argue that he's past his time, you know. But if they are going to get rid of him, I don't think in the where we are in basketball, you got to go get a flashy hire and spend seven, eight million dollars a year. I would take, I, I would go out here and invest this money that you're going to spend on a coach because all these universities budget and take the five, six. What is what is uh, Barnes making right now? Four, five. So Barnes is making five a year. Go out here and get a a Division two coach that's clicking on all cylinders. And pay the guy eight hundred thousand dollars, and take five million dollars, and put that in your NIL. Josh Shirts from Indiana State coached at LMU Good. up in Harrogate, and took them pretty deep in the Division Two tournament. He takes the job up there. They're doing a lot better than what they were when he first got there. He took over a dumpster fire at Indiana State. Yeah, and he knows well, the area. Memphis, look at what Memphis is doing with. I mean, these guys. It's not like Memphis has got stellar coaching. It's not like Nashville. To run to make a run on the season, he's got stellar coaching. Memphis has got some talent in there. That's why they're playing good. Right. Uh, Houston's got some talent. Uh, Houston's got a pretty good coach too. But I would much rather have talent in basketball than coaching. Coaching's way easier in basketball than football. You can throw some five stars on the floor. You get four or five McDonald's guys in there. You're going to win twenty games and make the tournament. I mean, John Unless Calipari's done it for years, man. Yeah, he has. At least John Calipari's made. The, <laughs> Yeah, I would take Kentucky over Tennessee right now in the tournament, bar none. Not even close. The only – if we were to go up against Kentucky, I don't know if, if we can even have that conversation. But I don't think Kentucky wants to face Tennessee for a third time. Because it's going to remind me yeah. too much of 2018. Beat them twice in the regular season. And you got all that momentum going to the SEC tournament championship game that year. And then you blow yeah. it. And this team would blow it right now, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, Tennessee's not. I mean, it's just weird to watch right now. And that's I, – I don't know. You, you can circle it back to everything, but it all comes back to coaching. I mean, the team's – I don't – there is no effort lost on that court. I'll give Barnes credit, man. He squeezes every bit of effort out of those guys. So they don't quit. They play hard. But I don't know, man. There's definitely some questionable coaching calls late here in the season and not having a backup – point guard ready to play is just I mean an all time just this dumbassery at its finest man it really is I mean there's no other way around it I mean you had every chance this year to get him ready Phil and I we've hit on this time and time again when you're up by 30 against teams like Alcorn State Tennessee Tech when you're up by 30 against those guys there is absolutely no reason to have your starters in the game just ask Thibodeau what happened in Chicago when he kept his starters in, when the game was well in hand, you yeah, lose what could have been probably one of the better point guards that's ever played the game in Derrick Rose. And he was yeah. never the same after that. What do you think of uh, – I'll get out of here. I appreciate the time. But what, what I want to know, what do you think of Phillips' development this year? I know he was hurt a little bit, but in my opinion, I, don't, I feel like he plays like he's got a coach breathing down his throat all the time. That's exactly what we've been saying for the past uh, two months. It feels like he's out there playing scared. 
Like, he's not playing the style of basketball that he knows how to play. He's not playing Julian Phillips basketball. He's playing scared ball, and he's afraid of what's going to happen if he messes up under Rick Barnes. That's exactly the vibe that I get from him every time he steps on the court. Yeah, and meanwhile, you got a guy down in Alabama that's going to get player of the year and probably be draft number one that, that plays about as loose as loose can be with a coach that almost seems like he doesn't care what the guy does. On or off the court, right. for that matter. On or off the court, exactly. All right, bud. Be good. Appreciate the phone call, Matt. Let's keep things rolling. Martin is next. What do you say, Martin? Not too much, Jake. Martin, I'm hungry. I just had lux beans and onions. That actually sounds pretty good, Martin. Jake? Martin. I got I got news for you. What you got? Uh, uh, what do you think about Chris Beard going to Ole Miss and Will Wade going to McNeese State? I think that Chris Beard going to Texas, I mean, it's a stepping stone job down there at Ole Miss, but... I mean, the thing is, Ole Miss, are, they're proving that they will do what it takes to win. I know they don't have an impressive budget. They don't have impressive facilities. But at the same time, I think they're going to do whatever it takes in order to win. Yes. And what about Will Wade going to McNeese State? So, the thing that really surprised me is that Will Wade took another job. But he said, he or he did exactly what he said he would do. He said he would take a job at a small school because he would never take a job at an established program ever again because the stakes are too high. You don't really have that long of a leash. You're going to get hounded every time you make a mistake. He said he would never take another job at an established program. But I think that might be a good fit for him. You know, do some image rehabilitation for him, Martin. And, you know, maybe we'll see Will Wade. You know, he might eat his own words. He might be coaching at a Power 5 job. Yes. And Jake... uh... Do you know what uh, the Raiders gave Jimmy Garoppolo? I want to say years and how much money? I think it's three years, and I think it's uh, to the tune of sixty million, if I'm not mistaken, Martin. I don't have that in front three of me. Three years. I'm per- yes. All right, I appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Let's go to our next caller. I have no idea who this is. Didn't have a chance to ask who it is. You're on overtime. What's up, man? Hey, it's CJ the Kentucky fan, brother. What's up, buddy? Hey, uh, you know, looking at this bracket, um, if you told me with the way Kentucky's season has gone, uh, up and down season, I know you guys have been there too, but if you told me to get to the final four, I have to, let's see, hold on, uh, where is it? I have to beat Providence, um, Marquette. Tennessee or Duke, or I, I'm sorry, that's to get to the Elite Eight. Yeah, um, I'm taking it at the beginning of the se- or, or at the end of the season. Um, this bracket could have gone a hundred different ways for Kentucky, for Tennessee too, for Texas A&M, for Auburn, for for all of them. Um, so I, especially being an hour away from Greensboro, I am thrilled to death at where Kentucky landed. Yeah, I mean, it's got like this, man. Some guys got pretty decent landing spots. Others, um, you know, honestly, I think Tennessee got a tough draw with Louisiana. I mean, people want to say, oh, well, they're just a they're just a whatever seed they are, 13 seed. Guess what? They're a good basketball team. You see a lot of upsets on that line from time to time. 
at least we're not on the 512. I'll say that. I hate the 512. I never have liked it, never will like it. It's the most dangerous. I just don't like it at all. Well, I think if I saw the stat correctly, in the last five years, the 11 seeds have a winning record over the six. I believe that. So, um, you know, it's crazy. I would not for a second, and this is for everybody, it's been so wide open. I would not for a second put it past Kentucky to lose by 20 to Providence or face Duke or Tennessee in the Elite Eight. I wouldn't. I don't. I, I cannot tell you what's going to happen. Usually, some years, you know, oh, we'll get the first one and then we'll struggle. I can't tell you what Kentucky's going to do or any team for that fact. Um, I've got Houston winning it all. My wife has Kansas winning it all. So I've actually got Alabama winning it all. Uh, I think I actually just posted my bracket last night uh, to the drives king of the callers. Hey, look, I'm going to say this. I would not for a second be surprised if Oral Roberts beats Duke, you get a A Louisiana. A Kennesaw Kennesaw State beating Xavier and a um, Charleston. I forgot who Charleston plays, but Charleston ain't a team to mess with. Uh, San Diego State. Furman. Virginia. Virginia struggled. In the tournament, Furman could get an upset in the round one. You know, it's funny. I was actually looking at some of these betting lines last night, and I'm going to make me a little parlay for this week, TJ. I yeah. think it's going to be uh, it's going to be very uh, frugal, but yeah, you, the payout's going to be very, very good. You know, I did. I don't want to rub it in. I, I was listening to Russell earlier, and I heard some calls of you know. Barnes got to go. Barnes, it ain't Barnes' fault. You know, he's a mediocre guy. Tennessee's a mediocre program. Hey, Tennessee fans are saying that. I respect Tennessee in all aspects. But Tennessee fans were saying that. I did not know that Rick Barnes has a losing record in the NCAA tournament. He does. 25 and 26. I did not know that. Yeah, he's – um. I mean, that's the thing, TJ, and that's, you know, when we had the conversation a few weeks ago about Jerry Green, I tried to say that it was Jerry Green 2.0. I got called an idiot, but then it's like, okay, well, why did we get rid of Jerry Green? Well, he didn't maximize the talent that he had, and he flamed out in March. I'm like, well, who did you just describe? Yep. Yep. And on the flip side of that, I know I drink the Kool-Aid sometimes too, but the fans who legitimately, truly want Coach Cal fired when they're not mad, when they're not mad, are absurd because Cal is 50 and 26 in the NCAA tournament. He is number one on the active coaching list for wins in the NCAA tournament. Why would you want that fired? Yes, he struggled in 2013. He struggled in the COVID year. He struggled a little bit up and down this year. But overall, you take those three years away, why would you want to fire that? Why but would anyways, you? Y'all have a good one. You, let me, uh, let me give you some bets real quick, TJ, before you hop off here. Yeah, yeah. So, Iona is only a nine-and-a-half-point dog to Connecticut. Kentucky, only a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Providence. St. Mary's, of all teams, a four-and-a-half-point favorite against VCU. I'd hammer that St. Mary's spread, or, yeah, St. Mary's spread right now. Tennessee, ten-and-a-half over Louisiana. Duke is only a six-and-a-half-point favorite 
over Oral Roberts right now? I'm telling you, I watched St. Mary's against Gonzaga in the WCC championship game. They're pretty mean. And I'm I'm surprised St. Mary's was even the one seed. They it looks like they just did not know how it looked like YMCA basketball out there. Tell you, man, don't sleep on them though. I don't know. Say, hey, look, Iona, I wouldn't count Rick Patino out. Rick Patino, I, you can say whatever you want about Patino. He's dirty. He's low down. He's a winner, though. Wherever he's gone, he's won. He wins. So, I man, <laughs> you know, say all be all, but this might be a tournament where we've got four double-digit seeds in the Final Four this year with the way it's gone. I don't know, man. Who knows? But. It's going to be an exciting tournament. I took Thursday and Friday off, as I always do. Um, and I might even drive down to Greensboro an hour away and uh, go to the game Friday night. I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. Or you but could anyway. drive about six and a half, seven hours out of the way, and we'll go grab some uh, burgers and beers. Hey, that's true. I could do that, too. You never know. But uh, good luck against Louisiana. And uh, if I had to pick, man – this hurts me because I hate both of them. I'd pick Tennessee over Duke. Y'all have a good one, man. Appreciate the phone call, TJ. Stay with us. More of your phone calls coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. So you're watching the game and you see another ad. Final segment, hour number one, Fan Run Radio. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Westchester is next. What do you say, buddy? Hey, buddy. Uh, how'd you get stuck there by yourself today? Uh, spring break, man. Got two in Memphis, one in Charlotte, and I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee. Huh. So, one shows up and you do the show, one calls out and you cancel the show, and that's the Boston show. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I did yeah, appreciate your call into the drive earlier. I did get to hear that on the way in. I'm glad you appreciated it. I'm just, I, I'm so, I'm not going to rehash that, but I'm just so sick of the, who are we going to get argument? You should be thankful to have him. You should be thankful right. to have him. We never even sniffed the top 25 before Rick Barnes got here. Well, okay, then what Bruce Pearl do? What did Jerry Green do? Why has UCLA been the only one to make him an offer? Hmm. That's a good point, Westchester. You know, what do I know, though? I'm just an idiot. Well, so, so am I for saying this isn't the best Tennessee team ever. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tennessee is the only one in their uh, top half of the bracket that isn't a conference champion. That's a crappy draw. Yes. Like, Tennessee just happens to get crapped on every year. And, uh, yeah, I hate to say this, PJ's got a, a little better run on the bottom half of that bracket, I think. So we'll see what they can do. But, you know, they're one of the three teams that uh, beating Tennessee, who apparently is supposed to be good this year, uh, got them in the tournament. So, uh, you know, you beat us, you get in the tournament, but we're supposed to be happy with losing in the first or second round every year. Oh, dude, okay, we, we were the guy at the train punching the tickets. It's like, hey, hey, you want to come on? Yeah, come here. We'll punch that ticket yeah. for you. Yeah. Missouri. Good. Let's go. Yep. Come Andy. on. We'll punch that ticket. Yeah, let's go. 
Yeah. Arkansas. Well, not really Arkansas, but oh man, it's just you. been frustrating, Westchester. I'll I'll say it, that much. It, it has, has been. been, but it has been for years. But like you know, I said I was going to rehash it, but it my my greatest hope right now for Tennessee is that um my freshman year at UT was ninety seven, and came in with a tall guy, otherwise known as Doug Dickey. And he was a football coach, and he he hated basketball because he didn't, he wanted football to be king, and it worked. It was a very it was a very 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 <laughs> long time, like hasn't happened yet. Long time that we had an AD that cared about basketball. So we haven't had an AD that really wanted to hire a basketball coach to win. So the closest thing we had was a guy that hired a terrible basketball coach to get his son to play here. I mean, and that was in the eighties. So I mean, it's just. We don't know what this university could be if we had a, an AD that cared about basketball, and that's actually the scary thing. Like, our potential is good because, you know, they they tried to cut it off when I said it, but uh, Heifel and Tony Martello would not have been in the top five of anybody's higher. So no, they wouldn't have. The who we get, who we gonna get thing is kind of irrelevant after that. So. I mean, when but, you make uh, a splash hire like Josh Heupel, I mean, let's actually let me take that back. It was not a splash hire. It was no, it wasn't. It was all. let's gamble because that's what I do. Yeah. Let's gamble and let's see how this works out. And it might be the best hire that's been made here uh, since Bruce Pearl. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the um, it's the most high. I think you'll understand when I say this. It's the most high school sidelines I've seen in a long time, as far as just coaches interacting, like you know. College coaches don't don't jump and dive into their you know their players and think they do in high school. I mean, this is just a this is a fun atmosphere. These kids are really enjoying playing in with their coaches, including high school. Like they're just they're so much more involved in the sidelines and in practice. And this is this is just a different atmosphere that we've seen around here in a long time. Which some people say, oh well, you're a Division One, you know, top twenty five, top ten program. You shouldn't be. Doing stuff like that. Why not? Man, it works. Why not? Exactly. Anytime you can make practice and games more fun for your coaches and your players, everybody wins. You know, players don't want to play for coaches they don't like. They want to have fun. So, you know, if their coach is going to give them a, you know, a jump high five or, you know, whatever, after, after a good play, then that's what they want, man. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it's it at all. It. I mean, and I think that's why we've seen a lot of success here. It's because Josh Heupel – is not afraid to let his guys have fun. I mean, you look at when he first got here. I mean, you got the videos of Cade Mays when they're basically doing a home run derby. Then they're playing dodgeball together. I mean, they're out there having fun. They're connecting as a team. It's like there are plenty of ways to do team-building activities without actually having to pick up a football and do it. Turns out team-building doesn't involve a a trash can or a chain or a a necklace. Like, you can do other stuff, too. Oh, man, I love the turnover chain. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like anything about it. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, it, I guess it's okay. It's overrated, right? Um, and it's uh, it's gonna be a hell, uh, heck of a tournament. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, even in our bracket, I don't think you're gonna pull your uh, your Midwest last year where you hit it perfectly. There's, there's almost <laughs> no way, right? <laughs> that I, I, I don't know how that happened. I, I really don't. That was. Um... That was the luckiest I've ever been. Imagine putting all of that into a parlay. How much money I would have had. Oh, well, you never would hit it if you hit it in a parlay. Come on, let's be honest. You can put it on paper for a, for a bracket. Yeah, put it on paper for fun. 
but don't put it yeah. in a real parlay to where it actually can benefit you on down the road. No, no, no. You're, you'll screw something up. Matter you know, of fact, I'm going to do that, that this year, just in case, Westchester. I'm going to make a parlay out of each region, and we're just going to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd leave that out for the – what are we in the East? Because, yeah, we're, we're – we got the extra couple of days of rest, but man, we got freaking seven conference champions in Tennessee. Yeah, that's Good Lord. Uh, that's not uh, that's not where you want to be. No, I'm just glad we're not playing. I mean, the only chance if I want to be Mister Positive, and it kind of hurts to do that, but heck, I'm on beer ten. I can be Mister Positive. Let's try it. Uh, we're not playing. We're not playing Duke and Greensboro. We're playing with Orlando. So true. That's a slight advantage. Hey, and we're playing at 940, so you know everybody's going to be able to watch the game. Well, kind of, but I, I, I hate it for you that you wanted to put so much effort into a watch party and it can't happen on Thursday. So. Well, I, I mean, hate that for you. I well, I mean, that and that's you. the thing, Westchester, is I would love to have a watch party at uh, said place, but the thing is I respect that business enough, and I give them a lot of business. I respect them enough to say I don't feel comfortable setting a watch party up for Thursday night because there are people that have to work on Friday and I'm not sure how many people would show up to basically a 10 o'clock watch party. And it would have been after their business hours anyway. This place closes at 9 o'clock on Thursday. (laughs) I'm not going to make them stay open three extra hours for five people to come in. That's not worth it for me. For for me and Philly to show up, right? Yeah. I mean, mean, we can... We can make sure they get their return on investment. I mean, get the three of us together. We can throw them back. But, I mean, it's it's a respect thing at that point. No, I get it. I get it. I'm not saying that because I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated at that time. I mean, yeah. you know, I knew there was a, you know, obviously a 50-50 chance we were going to play, but I didn't think there was any way we'd get that kind of a crappy time for all. I guess we'll probably do a little better if we win because Duke should win. If we get a, you know, I know they haven't announced the times for Saturday yet, but. If Tennessee Duke plays on Saturday, that should be a a much better time than buried in you know dark thirty. So we and I'm not saying we'll get like a two or a three, but we should at least get a seven thirty at the minimum. Like that should be a much more watchful game for Tennessee fans. It should be. And guess who is on the call? Oh crap! Who? Kevin Harlan. <sighs> I love it. I- I love it. <laughs> oh, the uh, I haven't looked through a whole lot. Uh, I guess the SEC got what six or seven teams in total. Uh, eight, eight. Okay, yeah. Which uh, Power Five got the least in? Do you know? I hate to put that on you. I don't have people there to look it up. Uh, you, maybe I would say either the Pac-12 or the ACC. I Pac-12. Yeah. yeah. I forget the Pac-12 is still Power Five. Sorry. Yeah, they're technically they're still, still a Power Five, but I mean, <laughs> let's call this like. And I want your opinion on this too, Westchester. Do you think that they'll be a Power Five school or have that Power Five status once UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten? Because at that point, I feel like they're just waiting on Washington and Oregon to jump ship. No, because I still believe in the stupid Westchester model where there's four sixteen-team power conferences that control everything from basketball and football, and that's kind of all that matters. Cause that gives you it gives you enough of your bids that way, but we're not getting to that again. But no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that if uh, I don't believe that if, if one conference went from Power Five to Power Four, I don't believe the Pac-12 or any of its uh, 
current members would be in that list. Maybe one or two, but no, I think they're they're, they're pretty much done. Uh, I feel that same way. Now, I will say this about basketball. I feel like you can make it as a small school in basketball or a non-Power 5 school. I mean, you, you look at Marquette, you look at Houston, which, I mean, they're about to go to the Big 12. But, you know, teams like that, I mean, they've made it before. They have had success. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, honest to God, Westchester, I get more enjoyment out of watching teams like that than I do my own sometimes. Creighton oh, we were, is another we one were, that I enjoy we were, watching. We were scared about playing Houston in round one last year. Yeah. Because we thought we were going to get matched up against them somehow. And here they are, um, you know, where they are this year. I mean, it can happen. I get it. But I just think that – 16 and 16, I think, I guess whatever the heck the cut is now, it's 16 and 20, whatever the heck it is, uh, or sorry, 32 and uh, 34. I just think there's too many at-larges. I just think that um, as far as the basketball summer goes, I think the, there's too many conferences sending teams because they're supposed to be better. I'd rather see a little bit of a mix-up. I mean, you know, we've all seen Gonzaga used to not be a good school, and they're still not great, but, you know, they've got a little bit more respect, and they've kind of moved up, and I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not. Do you I'm consider not, Gonzaga sure a mid-major? No, not anymore. I, I don't, don't either. Do you? No. No, Gonzaga is not a mid-major school in basketball. So, I mean, I just, I don't want so many um, large bids. I'd rather have more automatic qualifiers as far as, uh, coming out of the conferences, whether, you, you know, you split. So I was going to talk about I'm not going to talk about it. Whether you split the conferences <laughs> or however you want to do it. So, but, um, yeah. Um, talk about NASCAR since no one's going to stop us. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Uh, man, William Byron's kind of on a run this year, isn't he? Two in a row? Two in a row. I mean, Hendrick is running really well. I mean, even Josh Berry, of course, last week he had a, terrible run which i mean he was given basically a 48 hour notice that he was going to be in the car but right. um you know this week he showed signs of uh improvement and a lot of signs of improvement so i think if you see a ride come open this year um no he's kind of the next noah he's like gonna yeah kind of prove himself a little bit i mean i'm not i'm a chase guy which means i have to be a hendrix guy but i'm not mad at him mad at them if they gave him you know, the worst setup that they had. And, you know, he wasn't going to do much anyway. So why? Why was that good equipment? Why spend the money? Right. Why was the equipment? Why was the money? Just let him get used to running it. You know, he got him for five more weeks after last week. So let's just see what he can do. And uh, we'll go from there. I mean, you know, maybe you, you give him a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And let's be honest, that's a little bit why uh, Byron and Larson, I mean, not say Larson, but why? Byron ran so well with, you know, the cream's got to rise somewhere, right? So It's got to. And, you know, the thing with, you know, the Hendrick equipment, I mean, we saw this with Alex Bowman before when Dale Jr. went out. And right. eventually Alex Bowman worked his way into that number 88 car. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Berry worked his way into a ride. I don't think it'll be with Hendrick. But eventually no, he's going to have a good no, ride. I don't think it- – yeah, no one's going to leave. I don't see any of those guys leaving Hendrick anytime soon. No, um, Alex Bowman's I doing thought, too well right now. Kyle Larson is Kyle Larson. William Byron's on a run, and you're not going to get rid of the most popular driver in NASCAR. That's not going to happen. No, but I thought I thought um, I didn't think, but it would. I, I didn't think Larson was going to leave, but it wouldn't have surprised me because 
Kendrick was just running the uh, his dealership sponsor on him, like he just kind of wanted to. I'm not saying he wanted to get rid of him, but he wasn't spending the advertising on it. It was just weird. It was like, why is he still here if we're just going to dump the Hendrick Motorsports, you know, car lot on him? It was just weird. I thought that was a little odd. It was. Westchester, I appreciate the phone call, buddy. I got to run. Thanks, buddy. Stay with us. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two of overtime coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. So you're watching the game and you see another ad for FanDuel Sportsbook and you think, Number two of overtime, Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller coming at you for one more hour right here on 1340 AM, 105.7 FM, and on your free Fan Run Radio app and on the Linderman Sports Medicine web stream at fanrunradio.com. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Daniel is next. What do you say, Daniel? Jake, you're just uh, you're just carrying you're just carrying the franchise this evening, aren't you? That's what I do, man. Well, the bracket came out, and I I, I gotta say, um, I just don't. I've I've said it kind of all along. I don't I don't necessarily see uh, there be a lot of favorites to be there at the end. Although I do think Alabama is the heads and tails best team, you know in you know in the bracket. I think so as well. I mean, they're from top to bottom, they are probably the best team in the tournament. And that's why I picked them in my bracket to win it all. Um, and I did as well. You know, it's so weird because, I mean, last year I felt like it was an anomaly. Like, I'll never be able to pick an entire region perfect ever again. That was probably a one-off. That's probably the closest I'll ever get to a perfect bracket. But I am going to make a parlay out of each region and my picks of that region this year. Wow. You know, uh, basketball has been down this, this year. Um, I – I picked. Um, I did. A, I was. I, I was part of the fan run uh, bracket. I went in and and, and uh, uh, I did a. Uh, I did my bracket in there, and I have a lot of upsets, and I think there's going to be a lot of them. And earlier, Russell was asking about what your what's a, what's a, uh, the biggest upset you have, and I have Colgate beating Texas that fifteen and two matchup, and you know I've um, got UNC Asheville beating UCLA. I thought about taking that one. The only reason I did not is just UCLA has just been playing really good basketball, and I and but I, but I I think there's going to be several of those upsets. I just I just really think that there's going to be a lot of upsets this this, this tournament. Oh, I agree 100 percent with that, man. I mean, when I was looking at my bracket last night, and something I like to do is I like to match what I pick with the betting odds. And when I'm looking through these betting odds on FanDuel, I'm wondering what in the world? Like, I don't think it's ever, like, just stood out to me this much. It's like, you know, Duke's only a six-and-a-half-point favorite in their game. They're only a six-and-a-half-point favorite. There's a bunch of them on there. Iona, or Iona, excuse me, is, you know, not that much of an underdog in theirs. I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, you know, this is going to be the hardest bracket I've ever made. I don't know how much of a percent I'm going to get right. It's not going to be anywhere near as close as what I did last year because college basketball is that wide open. 
But then again, it could I, be the year that I hit all these parlays and I become a millionaire. We'll never know. Well, you know, uh, just remember me. But I'll say this much. I think Three I free Charlie's pizzas on me. Hey, free. Uh, <laughs> I think Iona is – I'm selecting them as my Cinderella this year. I, um, I, I, think, I think Rick Pitino is still the be, one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, I just think that they're going to make – I think I'm picking them as my Cinderella. That one team that makes it to the Elite Eight or Sweet 16 or whatever. Um, a couple other teams that I'm watching that I think is going – that I just think are really dangerous here. I think, uh, of course, Xavier. I think uh, I think Missouri can make something. I I have Mem- I have Memphis going to the Elite Eight, beating uh, beating um, uh, Duke in the Sweet Sixteen. I think Memphis is playing really. They destroyed Houston on Sunday. Oh, buddy, absolutely that was... destroyed. I did not see that coming at all. I mean, they came out no. and whipped their ass from the twenty minute mark in the first half to. When there was no time left on the clock. But man, I, I typically take some time off around. Is my birthday is in as the twenty second of this month, and I always take some time off around that to watch the tournament. But my, my baby is about to be born, so oh. I, I'm saving my time off for that. But it looks like she might be making her appearance right around the the, the tournament. But I love the tournament, man. It's one of my favorite my favorite times of the year. I love the bracket. I love the Ford. Full days of basketball this weekend, um, and I can't. And I, I just, you know, I, I, regardless of Rick Barnes' uh, you know lack of success, I still, I still have a little bit of hope, you know, just because the tournament is that. Absolutely. And Daniel, did your parents sign you out of school when you were younger to let you come home and watch the NCAA tournament? Um, they would have. Um, my mama, a lot of times, she would just come and pick us up from school randomly. And <laughs> but, but I just always, I just always liked, and especially as I got older and I started really paying attention to college basketball, I just loved to sit there and watch these games and just, just, just every single one of them. I remember a couple of years ago, I took my wife to, to college. She was over, she went to King, and I just went and found a found a spot to watch some games while she was in while she was in school because it was just. I just love the, the atmosphere. I love I love everything about it. The games are just and and you said it uh, uh, when the Westchester was called. I love Kevin Harlan. He's one of the best voices in in, in, in sports. I I cannot wait to hear him. And like you said, it's definitely going to be a ten o'clock tip. It maybe oh, without 10 a doubt. 10. And you know Kevin but, Harlan, he's one of those guys. If you ever want to learn or model your play calling ability, your play by play, you need to do it from him. If you want to learn how to do a talk show, go listen to Inside the NBA. Listen to Ernie Johnson, Chuck, Shaq, Kenny. Those guys are what a talk show should be, and Kevin Harlan is what a play-by-play guy should be. Oh, I agree. I, I think he's one of my favorites. I, I, and he's got in, in, his voice is just you know it's just it's just. I wonder if um, is 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 Reggie Miller going to be on on the same call as that? Is is, is he is he going to be there with him because they. They typically uh, are together. I didn't know if is, is that his is that his color commentator I, on that on, the, on that game, or do you know? I don't know. Right off the top of my head, that would be uh, that'd be awesome. I love Reggie Miller. I mean, oh, man. one of my Miller, favorite players I mean, growing up. I mean, he's part of the reason why I really liked the Pacers at one point growing up was because of him. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Choke. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'll say this much about Barnes, and I and I and I'll, I'll hop off and. 
Um, you know, this you, you had a caller earlier talking about the garnering success off this year. I think the one thing I'm gonna I, I'm not gonna you know browbeat him. I say I have us getting put out by Duke in the round of 32. Um, but the, the thing with with Barnes in this year is I wish that BJ could have gotten got, he could have been he could have been ready. And you know if if Ziggler was the only guy you had coming in this year. Regardless of what happened with the Yuri Collins deal, if we were tampering, if he got if he got cold feet, whatever, um, that that's going to be the one thing you look back on and be like, you should have had that right. You should have had a backup point guard. You should have had some situation right. You can't help the injuries, but you should have had a backup plan, and we didn't. Uh, you're playing Tyreek Key out of position all year long, playing that point guard spot. But Jake, you don't have too much longer, and hopefully the callers will. Put you through. Uh, we'll talk later this week, but go balls, my man. See ya. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel. Daniel chiming in from up uh, 75. Appreciate y'all's phone calls today. Really helped me out a lot. I'm in here in the studio solo. Probably not for the rest of the week. I might work on a little something, something here and there to try to get some more people in here. Uh, some voices that you're familiar with. Try to get those rolling as much as we can. Of course, Tennessee. As we mentioned earlier, taking on Louisiana this Thursday at 940. Kevin Harlan, the legend, probably one of the best voices in the game, will be on the call. And like I was just telling Daniel, you know, that's a guy that you want calling your games because you will remember them. You will remember his calls. I mean, you go back to Florida Gulf Coast when they beat Georgetown. Some of his calls during that game made that more exciting than what it already was. Just the way that he was able to present everything that he did. That was incredible. The way he was able to call that game with all the excitement going on with something that we'd only seen a handful of times before that. Fantastic. And like I was saying, if you want to you know, get into sports talk radio, host your own sports show, model that off of inside the NBA. Yeah, you can have one guy that comes in. He does all the work. He does everything by himself. And then he points to the guys every now and again for them to chime in with a thought, and then he tells them to shut up. No. Do it like inside the NBA. That's the best way to do it. Those are the best shows you have. Your best calls, Kevin Harlan. Ernie Johnson, pretty good in baseball, though. Ernie Johnson doing it both. All right. So we talked a little bit about the matchups for this week in March Madness, and we're going to go through some betting odds on these. And it's really eye-opening when you look at some of the betting lines compared to what your perception of these games might be. So let's take a look at it here. Okay, let's start with the Thursday games. We're going to skip over the Wednesday games. Uh, West Virginia, Maryland, that's going to be a good game. West Virginia, two and a half point favorite in that one. One that really stands out Virginia and Furman. Virginia, a five and a half point favorite. That one's weird. That one's weird to me. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm getting baited into it. We don't have any stats on who's betting what yet, but, you know. Gets closer to the time. We might check that out. Uh, Missouri is actually an underdog in their game against Utah State. Missouri's playing some pretty good ball right now. Very offensive, heavy team. I like Missouri on the money line at plus 100 in that one right now. Uh, Howard and Kansas. Kansas 21.5 point favorite. We're not even going to touch that. Uh, Charleston, San Diego State, one that everyone was talking about. That one, San Diego State at 5.5 point favorite. Charleston is playing some really good ball right now. Arizona. 13.5 point favorite against Princeton. I would hammer that. Just go ahead and put whatever you got 
don't put whatever you got. Please don't do that. But put a small wager on Arizona to cover the 13 and a half against Princeton. Uh, Arkansas and Illinois. Arkansas, a two and a half point favorite. Auburn, one and a half point dog against Iowa. And then, of course, we had mentioned earlier, I was talking with Westchester, Duke and Oral Roberts. Duke, a six and a half point favorite in that game. I do feel comfortable with Duke covering that. I do feel comfortable with them covering the six and a half. I like that one. Then we scroll down. Uh, some not important games, some not important games. Houston favored by 19 and a half. Louisiana Lafayette, Tennessee. Tennessee, a 10 and a half point favorite. I like Louisiana Lafayette to cover. I hate saying that, but I like them to cover. I might even take them on the money line. So then we get to Texas A&M and Penn State, a game that I feel like is going to go down to the wire. you got two teams that are playing some really good ball right now, uh, but I like Texas A&M to cover the two and a half. UNC Asheville, UCLA. UCLA is a 17 and a half point favorite. Like Daniel just said, you know, UCLA, they're playing some really good ball right now. However, UNC Asheville has the pride of Bearden High School and Drew Pember. So we're going to hammer that UNC Asheville money line, place a small wager, small, like small, small, like really, really small on that. St. Mary's VCU, St. Mary's a four and a half point favorite. If you don't like TJ's call, take them at four and a half. But if you agree with TJ, take them at plus 158 on the money line. Iona and UConn, Iona, nine and a half point dog. That might be one you really take the money line on and get some serious money on that one. Kentucky, only a three and a half point favorite against Providence. I like Kentucky's odds there. I don't feel like they're going to have any issues. Florida Atlantic and Memphis. This is going to be one of the games that I'm tuned in for from start to finish if I get the chance. Friday at 9.20. Goodness. Goodness. I do not like these late games. If you know me, you know I like my sleep. And this is uh, it's going to be a late night on Thursday and a late night on Friday for old Jake. But in this one, Memphis, one and a half point favorite. But I like the Florida Atlantic money line at plus 112. And then Kent State, Indiana. Indiana, four and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Kent State money line. A lot of weird bets. A lot of weird bets. A lot of weird lines. But it all plays in to what this is. This is March Madness. It's going to be madness. That's why they call it March Madness. Oh, my goodness. Stay with us. Going to make some parlays during this break. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Pet is an important part of your family. And when he or she... Here on Overtime Fan Run Radio, the show continues on. Got some basketball action tonight in the NBA. Pacers and Pistons already tipped off. About 5.58 left in the first quarter. Pistons up 17-10. to 
Grizzlies and the Mavericks tip off here in about eight minutes, along with the Heat and the Jazz. And we'll be on ESPN. Oh, man. Who's going to score 20-plus in the NBA tonight? Let's figure it out. All right. It's going to be Jake versus Jake today. No Davis, no Matthew, no Bryson. So I'm just going to build y'all a who's going to score 20-plus parlay. Do with it as you wish if you want to go ahead and get that bet in. Game's about to tip off here in about eight minutes. Uh, go Lori Markinen, 20-plus. Tyler Hero, I like that one as well. Desmond Bain, definitely going to score 20. Somebody's got to score for the Grizzlies. Uh, let's go Anthony Edwards and Trey Young, both to score 20. And let's go Jalen Brown to score 20. How many did I give you just then? Got two. We got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight. 10. So that's 10 selections. Do with that as you wish. So I guess some people remember my microfluffle that I had at the Crystal drive-thru about a week or so ago. And I'm texting Marcus. I said, hey man, you know, let everybody know the overtime is still on. I'm in a situation right now with some really bad drive-thru etiquette at the Crystal drive-thru. And it involved someone not knowing what they wanted when they got to the drive-thru menu. And some people called in and they said, well, if you don't know what you want, that's when you park and you go into the restaurant and you order off the menu. That way you can look at it. Or in some cases, you get lucky and you got a digital kiosk where you can poke and prod at this thing and figure out, okay, I want this. Okay, I don't want that. Okay, this is what I'm going to order. I can place the order right here. Everything's all good. No, guess what? It happened again. It happened again. This time, even worse than Crystal. And, you know, Crystal's got a pretty simple menu. But everybody knows what they want when they go through the McDonald's drive-thru. I get the same thing every time. Granted, I've stopped doing the drive-thru. like to do curbside. Guess what? Curbside wasn't an option at this one today. So I have to go in. I'm not sitting in that line. Like, I'll go in. No problem. And I'm being held up from getting my food. Because this 10-year-old kid wanted to switch out his toy. Well, we don't have another toy. They're all the same. Well, I want a different toy. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. We don't have another one. Kid proceeds to throw a fit. I have to wait an extra five minutes to get my McChicken, my fries, and my drink. Because that's what I always get. That's what I always get. And I had to wait. Because some kid was so upset that he didn't get the toy that he wanted or he thought he was going to get. And that just put me in a bad mood for about three hours. I don't know what it is about this stuff. You know, maybe I should be more like Stevie Hamer, most positive person that I've ever heard come across these airwaves. Steve Hamer, frequent guest of The Drive, one of the most positive people I've ever seen. You know, one of the nicest guys you'll ever be around. I've had the chance to meet him once. And it took that one time for me to figure out, yeah, this guy is as genuine in real life as he is on the phone. He doesn't fake anything. Maybe I should just see the positive in everything. Maybe I should try to see more positive in life instead of getting mad at some 10-year-old at a McDonald's counter because I can't get my McChicken and my fries and my Coke. I don't know. It's one of them deals. It is one of them deals. So I had talked a little bit with some of y'all about how I feel like Tennessee's going to be in trouble uh, when it comes to their game this weekend, or not this weekend, but this Thursday against Louisiana. So shout out to the caller, Jordan. Jordan sending me shot charts, sending me stats. 
Appreciate that. So, Louisiana, Sun Belt champions this year. Their coach, Bob Marlin, is in his 13th season. Their net ranking is 89. 11-0 at home, 7-7 on the road, 5-0 on a neutral site. They do not have a quad one win. They're 0-2, 1-3 in quad two, 10-1 in quad three, 12-1 in quad four. Their last 10, they're 7-3, five in a row, six out of the last seven. They're starting five. Got Jordan Brown at the center, 6'11", 225. Terrence Lewis, 6'7", 210. Greg Williams, 6'3", at the three. At the two, you got Cantrell Garnett, 6'1", and the point guard, Themis Folks, 6'1". Some pretty, pretty stout guys on the bench as well. Jalen Dalcourt, 6'1", 160. Joe Charles, 6'7", 195. Michael Thomas, 6'1", 160. And Kobe Julian, 6'6", 215 pounds, one pound shy of matching Michael Jordan. Their go-to player, obviously, Jordan Brown. 19.4 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, 1.8 assists, 1.2 blocks. So he knows how to dominate the paint on offense and defense. That's going to be very tough given you know what we've seen this year out of Urosh and Olivier Kamwa. It's going to be tough to defend that guy, especially standing there at 6'11", 225. Now they got some solid contributors as well. Greg Williams, 13.1 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, and 40% from three on 150 attempts. I'll do the math. Terrence Lewis averages 11 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, and he had a hot take. And I want to know what everybody thinks. Will the Lady Vols make it further than the men? I say yes. We talked about Jordan Brown. I'd said something to Phil about this. You know, this guy's a former five-star McDonald's All-American. Signed with Nevada under Eric Musselman. Went to Arizona. Now, he's at Louisiana. So what does everyone else make of this? I know I know I'm not that confident going into Thursday, and that's why I picked Louisiana to to beat Tennessee. And I'm going to go through my bracket with you really quick. Just that way, if you want to use the Jake logic and try to figure it out. What in the world? What in the world? People are sending me text. Guys, I'm in here by myself. I don't have time to read all this today. Let's go to the drives. King of the brackets. The brackets, the brackets, the brackets. If you want a copy of my bracket. The name of my bracket is the GI Jake, just like my Twitter handle. Dash I miss Tomba. So let's go to my final four. Got Alabama taking on Kansas State. I got Kansas taking on Texas. And in the finals, I think it's going to be Kansas. I think it's going to be Alabama. I think Alabama is going to win a national championship. And it's going to be so weird seeing them hoist the trophy at the end of the year, given what all has happened with Brandon Miller. People can say, well, he didn't read the text. I saw that this weekend on Twitter. Well, he never read the text. There's no proof that he ever read that text. Okay. Well, then why did he bring it? Oh, well, he stowed it away um, under some clothes in the back of his car. Okay. So he knew that there was a gun. Well, no, he didn't know that. 
How do you not know you have a gun in your car? Unless your car is as nasty as what mine is, you know what's in your car. You know, you don't just randomly, oh, let me move some clothes. Oh my goodness, there's a firearm standing right there. Guess what? That's not how this works. That's not how this works. You know, and Charles Barkley had a really good comment on this this past weekend. Saying basically, and I'll pull you up the quote in just a second, but to paraphrase what he said, he's basically like, uh, Brandon Miller's lucky that he's in the state of Alabama instead of being somewhere else. And the exact quote given was, he should have been given a timeout to learn decisions have consequences. He's lucky Alabama is behind the times. In 49 other states, he would have probably been charged with a crime. Another win from Charles Barkley, in my opinion. Charles Barkley is one of these guys we know that he is going to tell it like it is every chance he gets. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. When he sees it, he's going to give you his exact opinion. You don't have to worry about whether he's being real or whether he's being fake. We know that Charles Barkley is going to be real in everything that he says. He's not going to sugarcoat it. If he sees something wrong with it, he's going to tell you. If he thinks it's something good, he's going to tell you. Whether that be sports-related, whether it be political-related, he's going to tell you exactly how he feels. You don't have to worry about him ever being fake. Unlike LeBron James. LeBron James, you never know if it's what he actually believes, if he's just trying to protect his money, whatever it may be. The case can be said about Michael Jordan as well. But at least Michael Jordan, when he was asked to support uh, the Democratic nominee running for House of Representatives, he said, but mom, Republicans buy sneakers too. That's what he said. And he's right. They do. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. You're on overtime. Hey, Jay, buddy. It's Tommy. What do you say, buddy? Uh, not much. Hey, man. Doing a good job, man. Our fly solo. My head hurts. <laughs> And I can imagine that's a that's a lot of information to try to get out and everything. You're doing a great job, but uh, hey, I'm like you. I've got a. I don't think I have Tennessee losing to Louisiana, but I got us going on through. And honestly, I've got us going on to face Kentucky again in the, in the late eight, and uh, and we're gonna get bounced the third time. Could you imagine? Everyone would be so excited. Everybody would finally be off of Rick Barnes. Okay, we're going to an Elite Eight. This is, what, this is what we've wanted. We have wanted an Elite Eight ever since we went the first time with Bruce Pearl. Everybody would be on board. But then watch how fast it would turn if we lost to Kentucky. Yeah, I know. And then just like they say, who are we going to get? Um, you know, Chris Beard heading down to Ole Miss. I think, I think he, might, he might have a good shot to do something good down there. <clears throat> like I said, they just, they just showed that they, uh, they will do anything to win, so – I mean, that's the thing is they, they will do whatever it takes. It does not matter your record. It does not matter what you have done, how bad it might have been. They will do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, it's not like Lane Kiffin is some saint either. We already know Lane Kiffin is just as guilty as anybody as to what happened at USC. And we know that he had to have done something while he was here. We know that. But with USC in that whole situation – you know, you can't help but sit there and think. It's like, well, he had to know what was going on. He was on staff when all that happened. And Pete Carroll just so happened to get out right when he should have to avoid having to deal with all that. And that's why he went to the NFL. And it's worked out pretty well for him. Can't really blame him. No, I don't blame him a bit. 
But uh, real quick, get my NASCAR fix in. I heard Westchester's call earlier. Um, the Phoenix race, they tried to make it better. Uh, they've done what I've said, Dale Jr. said, Denny Hamlin, and a tons of other people have said. We've got to get this car off the track. Got to take downforce off of because we're not going to get horsepower back. They're not going to bump these things up to 900 horsepower anymore like no. we've seen back in the day. So they, they tried to get the, the most downforce off the car. And like Larry McReynolds said, since the, the 90s, and it, it showed a little bit. You've seen the guys get loose off the corner. Alex Bowman had a save. Uh, you've seen guys fighting it off the corners. But it still didn't have the racing effect to be able to run up and catch anybody. And, you know, because once you got out in clean air, you was gone. You've seen Kevin Harvick do it. You've seen Kyle Larson do it. And you've seen William Byron do it. The restarts were key to get out in that clean air. We got to get these cars off the track. We got to get the spoiler down. We got to get these side skirts off of them. And, you know, you remember the days you could run up behind somebody and just get close enough to them and pull out and you'd suck the air out from under the car and get them loose. You don't see that anymore. No, uh, you don't. They're so stuck to the ground. Exactly. And, Tommy, I was thinking about this yesterday, but. Do you remember how much more exciting that Phoenix race was when it was on a Saturday night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even with the reconfiguration, they thought would maybe change it, you know, instead of having it right there at the front stretch, moving over to the dog leg, which did help, especially on the restart. It did. But, you know, I was thinking about that yesterday. I'm thinking about, you know, back to when Jeff Gordon won it in Phoenix. Uh, I can't remember. I think this is when he tied Dale Earnhardt. It yeah. wins when he got number 76. And I just remember hey. how much more exciting that racetrack was when it was on a Saturday night underneath the lights. The track just looked so much better when it was like that. And, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Chicago street course and everything coming up, but uh, they're going to have to do something with these cars. You know, they're getting better with the downforce package, you know, trying to make it where these guys have to drive this car where it puts on a better race a better show for either the fans there in attendance or the fans watching at home like we were. Because um, once you got out in clean air, I mean, you can get to somebody, but passing them was a whole other thing because the side draft isn't working. Uh, you know, you really got to move somebody to be able to get a run on them or make them make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, and that's, um, that's something we don't really get to see a lot of. And, you know, the thing is we got the – I mean, they've got the money to make the cars do that. It's just all about NASCAR being able to do what they do. Like, I feel like I get more enjoyment, Tommy, and I think you'll agree with this too. You know, sometimes you'll get more enjoyment out of the Xfinity series and especially the truck series more than you will the Cup series cars. Just because I feel like the guys that are in trucks, I mean, I feel like that one's equipment's just about across the board, like the same or very, very similar in, you know, setups. And I feel like you find out who can actually drive the vehicle. Then you get to the Xfinity series, and I feel like. You know, sometimes it just puts out a better race, man. Oh, the Xfinity Series has been hands down for the last five years the best series to watch for racing. These guys are side-by-side, door-to-door. They're running the old-style cup cars. You know, uh, it's really great. And like Westchester handed on earlier yourself, with Josh Berry, you know, he's he's done great in the Xfinity Series. No mind that he's in great equipment for JRM. Okay, so y'all were talking about how he had a good finish and everything, not getting great setups. I agree. He's not getting great setups like William Byron, Kyle Larson, and Alex Bowman. But the Hendrick cars have been in the top ten every single week. And so 
<clears throat> say that he does race his way into a seat, maybe front row, maybe colleague or somebody like that picks him up. But also keep in mind, Junior and his sister, they are wanting a cup team. All they're waiting for is the TV deals to work out, and they're going to buy a charger. Who says Josh Berry can't be the first JRM driver in the Cup Series? He very well might be a Tennessee native at that. And, you know, the thing that has held uh, Dale Jr. back for a while now is the fact that it costs so much to own a charter. Like, that is his one setback on doing that is it costs a lot to own a charter. And it's like, okay, we'll just go buy a charter. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works. You know, one has to be up for sale, up for lease before you can even think about, you know, getting into the Cup Series. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be like one of these back market teams that's just trying to make the field of 40. Exactly. You know, you're going to have to wait on B.J. McLeod to sell out or Rick Ware Racing, you know, to put all their, their money into their IndyCar program or their IMSA car programs and just finally be done with it. Kind of like Chip Ganassi done to let truck house in. And you got to have the money to put up. And, of course, we know that, uh, Dale Jr. has the money with his podcast, his race teams, his, his merchandise and everything he's got going on. But uh, I was going to get here and kind of holler at you for a little bit and help you out a little. Appreciate the phone call, Tommy. We'll talk soon, brother. Yeah, bub. Tommy making his presence felt on the Big Orange Phillies phone line. Stay with us. Final segment of the program coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. Linderman's Final segment of the program. It's overtime. It's Fan Run Radio. It's Jake Miller, and it's you. Back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. Buckeye Guy will be our final caller. What do you say, man? Hey, Jake. How you doing? Great show tonight. Hanging hanging in there by yourself over there. Man, I'm trying. <laughs> it's a uh, and, 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 uh, action-packed show, especially, as you know, with the uh, tournament coming up. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's just uh, – it's so weird. Like, this is my first time, you know, being the host and having to break all this stuff down and go into everything. And I'm sitting there last night. I'm trying to go through everything. It's like, okay, well, I feel like this team could beat this team. And then I look at the betting odds, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know about this one anymore, but I like this. So, I mean, just a lot that goes into it. It's uh, obviously really fun. And, you know, we're going to see how it plays out. Exactly. And and it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I don't uh, – I, every now and then we'll place a bet on the game and you think you have an idea of what's going to happen. And you're like, yo, I really like this team. But then you look at Vegas and they're like, well, they're never wrong. <laughs> they're, <Yeah. laughs> they're used to be pretty accurate. So I'm, I must be thinking wrong here. Uh, so I completely understand that. But, yeah, a couple things. I mean, obviously I've been listening to your full show tonight and, and love the content you're putting out. But I wanted to start with uh, a game this week, first round, that I think – personally, is the most intriguing game, and that is UConn and Iona. Yes, 100%. The re- and, and, and here's the reason I think that. Somebody, or a, a caller earlier mentioned Iona possibly being the Cinderella team this year. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. As we know, Patino, everywhere he goes, he wins. It doesn't matter uh, where it is. He's going to win. But UConn, their last championship was won in Texas. Final four is in Texas. Yep. The reason I think that's the most intriguing game is because, yes, I do think Iona can be the Cinderella team. At the same time, I think that UConn is an Elite Eight, even a Final Four team. 
So that is a – if I have UConn winning that game, I'm going to have them in the Elite Eight, potentially in the Final Four. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, you just said it, and so did the caller earlier. You know, you never doubt Rick Patino. You want to talk about a guy that knows how to win on this stage. I mean, we saw it happen at Louisville. We've seen it happen at Kentucky. The guy just knows how to win. The guy knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to this time of year, and you should never count him out. Exactly. And, and, and so that's why, like, I, I can look at the bracket, you know, and, and I'll have a double-digit seed beating a, a single-digit seed, um, and it's something I feel very comfortable in. For instance, uh, Murray State, when they had John Morant, was a 12 seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played the, uh, what, the 5 seed. So I have Murray State winning two games that year. Um, so, and I'll have that this year. It's just, it, 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 that's just a funny game because I think Iona can win, but I also think if UConn wins, they're going to make it pretty far in the tournament. So, so it, that's the most intriguing game to me. But um, something I wanted to ask you as well, and, and, and this is the region that Tennessee is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not for sure if you watched Bracketology last night, but they had Dickie V, that Jay Billis, uh, Reese Davis and I can't remember uh, the two other guys' names, but they they put in and they showed their elite eight in Final Four, then the championship game in champion. So uh, majority had Alabama as a champion, which uh, I agree. I think t- top to bottom they're the best team in my opinion. Right uh, doesn't mean they can't get beat. Look at the look at the overall number one seed in Virginia. They had never been beaten. By a 16 seed, as in one in 16. Every, I, I thought that I had Virginia winning that year, and yeah. they got beat by a 16 seed. So, I mean, as you know, anything can happen. But to, what they were saying last night when they went through their lead eight into their final four in that region that Tennessee is in, they all had Duke versus Marquette in the lead eight. Um, obviously, that would mean Duke beating Tennessee, mm-hmm. Duke beating the number one seed in. Uh, uh, Purdue, right, and then I, I do think Marquette is a legitimate team, but um, the reason they had Duke, obviously, they're on a nine-game winning streak, and and they're hot going into the tournament. Shire, you know, in his first year, he's doing one heck of a job with them. Right, uh, Philip Filipowski has come into his own. So, I mean, there's just a lot of intriguing things. It's, it's very wide open this year. Um, Kansas, you know, they got that number one seed, and and. Texas beat them down twice this year, uh, pretty handily. And then another big question mark, and what people have said is the best team all year, Houston, gets beat by Memphis. And the big storyline, in my opinion, there is the guard that got hurt in the semifinal. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was they were playing. Um, but he obviously he didn't play against Memphis. He, he injured his growing. I'm not for sure if he is – is scheduled to come back for the tournament. Um, have you heard potentially anything about that? I haven't heard anything yet. Now, I do have Houston getting put out in the round of 32. I think, you know, Auburn, I think they're going to take care of business against Iowa. And then I've got Auburn beating Houston in the round of 32. And funny enough, I've actually got Auburn making it to the Elite Eight and getting beat by Texas. And and see, that that's another thing with Auburn, you know. Are they – they're nine, right? Auburn is a nine, yes. Yeah, so Bruce Pearl, former Tennessee coach, he's been there before. He he knows how to coach in these tournaments, in these situations. So 
I don't put that by them at all. And the reason that it's just a big question mark about Houston, how they performed yesterday, having their guard out, their their main ball handler. You know, it's if he comes back, I think that Houston could could make that run and be a potential for a winner. But I I'm almost inclined to agree with you right here on the spot. If he doesn't play, whether it's Iowa or Auburn, I think that they can get beat that second game and then. Um, something else that is intriguing to me. I said during the Maui Invitational when Creighton was playing, I said prematurely, that's my pick to win the national championship just because I like the way they play. Simple as that. Um, Now, they would play Bama in the Elite Eight if both of them were to get there. Creighton is, correct me if I'm wrong, a sixth seed. Uh, Um, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a sixth seed. Yeah, Yeah. the sixth seed against uh, uh, North Carolina State in the first round. Yeah, which which is another storyline. How does North Carolina State get in over Clemson, who 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 beat them three times and blew them out right twice? So, um, so so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things here. You don't have a top three or four teams that are clear cut favorites. You had you know these number one seeds. I I, I think uh, Purdue was deserving of a number one seed. I think that uh, Alabama was deserving of a number one seed. Um, I. I don't know if Kansas was 100% deserving, especially after the performance they put on in the championship game of the Big 12 and getting their second loss to Texas. Um, so, so with the bracket, do you think that the uh, do you think they did a pretty good job of getting the correct 68 teams in? I feel like, and I have, I've had the same feeling every year. I mean, I feel like there's teams that probably should have been in, and some teams that uh, got lucky and skated in. You know, I felt like. You know, Vanderbilt might have might yeah. have deserved to be there. I mean, yeah. as much as I don't like Vanderbilt, I feel like they kind of deserve to be there. But, you yeah. know, it does help me out, you know, in making my bracket because right now I'll just give you my Elite Eight right off the top. Yeah, you know, I've got Alabama beating Arizona in the south and the east. I've got Kansas State actually beating Purdue. Midwest, i got Texas beating Auburn. In the west, i got Kansas beating Gonzaga. And then my finals, I've got – um excuse me, Alabama beating Kansas in the finals. Yeah, I heard you mention that earlier. My first thought was he's got three Big 12 teams, which, I mean, the Big 12, top to bottom, they've been the best conference. Um, They just have. I wouldn't be surprised if three Big 12 teams made it. I'm not for sure in that region that Alabama is in, who the Big 12 team, if they're – is there a Big 12 team? Is is, Would TCU happen to be in that Uh, bracket? I'm Baylor's in that, and so is, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and 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 you know that, and, and that's the funny thing is, say Alabama got beat, and let's say Kansas State, Kansas, and Texas all made it. I would like it's just so open that, what if Baylor made it and it was four final four teams from the Big Twelve? Would it surprise you? Know? you? No, it would. It would not. And the reason being is because the Big 12 uh, has been the most battle-tested teams throughout the year. Yeah, and it's not even close. Like they're like, and I think I've even said this on the show a few weeks ago. I think that the Big 12 was the best conference in basketball this year, and the Big East put oh. on some good basketball. That was another fun conference to watch. Yeah, but it the, was just so big, frustrating. That's why it was so frustrating as a Tennessee fan to watch us play the way we did. And people wanted to say a few months ago this was the best Tennessee team ever. 
They said this was the best Tennessee team ever. It's not even the best team since Rick Barnes has been here. As a matter of no, fact, you know, when I went back and I looked at the 2014 statistics across the board, you know, your team statistics, if you go back and look them up and then you compare it to this year's team, you will be amazed at how similar they are. Like, it's almost scary. Which that team made the Sweet 16. They had a lot of talent on that team. They had three guys that went to the NBA. But it was also a team that was coached by Conzo Martin, who was basically getting ran off at that point, and he made the Sweet 16. Granted, we got lucky with Duke getting put out by Mercer and all that. But Buckeye guy, we got to run. Appreciate the phone call. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. Something else coming up next. You're on WKGN. Tune in tomorrow for 3 and Out right here on Fan Run Radio.